This is the Data Privacy Detective. It's December 2020, and today we're going to focus on, on, on this topic. How can a community gather, process, and use personal information to make a sense of the mass of data that it accumulates and then use it for good purposes? And with us today as a guest is Lee Norris. Lee, uh, thank you very much for joining us from uh, beautiful North Carolina. Happy to be here. Now, Lee, you've got more than 25 years of uh, higher education IT experience, and you've had a number of leadership roles in infrastructure, security, compliance, uh, ERP systems delivery, data platform architecture. Currently, you lead the University of North Carolina Greensboro's Enterprise Data Architecture Team. So what do you do in that role? Well, what I do in that role is I lead a team of architects and visualization experts in bringing together um, data from a number of different data sources, uh, a large number of data sources approaching 100 or, or more that are used for various different purposes within the university. Uh, our charge is to, de is to design architecture that can provide those data in ways that our university community can make use of them in their decision-making processes. And underpinning that uh, is a desire to make sure that we protect the integrity of those data and the privacy of those data for, for our customers, our constituents. Right. You want that data to end up being accurate to build a decent database, and, but you also want to be able to assure people that uh, you're not invading their personal space too much. Is that the balance you, you have to achieve? That's absolutely the balance that, that we have to achieve. We have a, a number, well, for instance, we have uh, about 20,000 students and uh, we have uh, in our transactional systems a lot of information from those students that's, that's really critical for their educational progress, but also for um, use in things like their financial aid uh, needs. And the result uh, of anything that we bring together uh, for them needs to protect those data uh, in ways that will ensure their privacy. Yeah, the law requires that, of course, uh, as, as to students. And so you have to, to deal with that. But how big is the the data community of uh, UNCG, uh, you have 20,000 students uh, currently, and then I'm sure you have faculty and alumni and so on. So how many different inputs would you have uh, from people or what privacy lawyers call data subjects? Well, in terms of data subjects, we, 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 can, we can think of our data subjects in, in sort of multiple categories. You know, we have that, the core group, our students, our researchers, our faculty and our staff. Yeah. Um, and so there are about, as faculty, I said, uh, just to give uh, us some sense. There are, well, there are 3,500 faculty and staff. Well, that gets so, you close to 25,000 just there. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And then, of course, we have a large, we're, we're a significant size, we're a, a research institution that's of significant size. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we have a, a large number of alumni as well. Those would be another group of, uh, of, uh, folks who would have data in our systems or have use of the data from our systems. And uh, if we add those and then we bring in the community, we could easily surpass 50 or approach 100,000 um, yep. data and constituents. Over time, that's only time. going to build unless you have a way of getting rid of data about people from 
50 years ago or something. So that, that, and it's so typical. It could be a city. It could be a village. It could be another university system. You're very, you're, you're right in the area of, I'll just call it the mid-sized communities that deal with data. So let me ask you this question, Lee. How, how does data privacy and the rules and the laws around it, how does that affect your job? Well, actually, it's core, it's kind of core to my job because uh, not just from you know you mentioned the 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 regular the regulatory environment around data, yeah. and that's very very important to us, and it motivates a lot of the ways we approach things. But really, uh, in our position, the primary motivation is that we are uh, we have a duty, a stewardship duty to the data of our of all of our constituents, our faculty, our staff, our students, our alumni, to protect their personal information. Uh, and we take that very, very seriously. Uh, and of course, uh, if we do our, our jobs well in that area, then we will comply with regulations. And so uh, as we look at the kind of data we have to handle, I've mentioned financial aid a little while ago, that that gets us into the realm of financial data for our students, and sometimes for the students' families as well. Sure, um, the parents' income and tax returns, maybe all sorts of very private information. Yes, and, and we also handle uh, things like payroll for our faculty and our staff and for mm -hmm. others that are associated with the university that, that we have financial transactions with companies. Uh, it's it's incumbent upon us to protect all of those transactions and all of the data associated with those transactions um, because it's our duty, it's our ethical duty, but also uh, in terms of regulations that that we have to comply with. There are, PC, there are PCI industry standards that we have to comply with. There are uh, specific uh, uh, privacy standards from from the federal level and the state level that we have to comply with that I'm sure many listeners are, are quite familiar with. And we have to be aware of all of those. We work intensely with our security office to make sure that as we architect systems, we have all of those uh, requirements in consideration uh, and that we are, are fulfilling our, our, our requirements in that respect. Um, so it's, it's not just a legal requirement, but also an ethical requirement um, because we want to protect our students in the same way uh, that uh, we would want to protect any, any member of our community from, from unwarranted uh, intrusion into private uh, details like private, like identity theft or anything like that. Right, it's interesting you use the word ethics because it's certainly ethical towards the individuals contributing the data, but also you want, it, you want an accurate database. You don't want a skewed database. You don't want garbage in, garbage out, right? So you're also developing databases so that they're usable. Uh, so I think you're telling us that in your role as a head of the enterprise data architecture team, you engage in privacy by design for a multiplicity of reasons, not just legal requirements. Would that be accurate? That would absolutely be accurate. It, now, it, you, it's, it certainly yeah. would. Well, UNCG, like uh, other universities, has a kind of centralized control of, of these data sources. And, and listening to you, I, I would suppose there are at least two major uh, constituencies for this. One is students, as you for financial aid and other purposes. But then the research side of this, your uh, UNCG uh, uh, is a major research institution. 
And so are those sort of the two main constituencies from getting to individual in information about people to a database that is unusable? Well, actually, uh, those are those are two of, of the primary constituencies. But we also uh, remember we have a reputation at U at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro for high quality uh, teaching as well. So while we're an excellent research yeah. institution, we also have uh, faculty who predominantly are our teaching faculty. And we have uh, data that, that, that the students would use in, in learning environments that also that's protected, that's FERPA protected data. So we have those, those sorts of obligations as well. Bringing, uh, and so I'd like to use an example yeah, please uh, of, of bringing together some data uh, from multiple sources. So if we think about, um, we also have an undergraduate research component as well, but if we think about the FERPA, the FERPA demands for protecting student data and we think about the learning systems that we have, within those systems we have uh, attendance records, grade records, these kinds of things, uh, these are protected uh, by FERPA, but we do need to bring those together with other student data in order to assess a student's progress uh, toward a degree and to help our teaching faculty understand how to make sure that our students are successful. And so we have to protect the privacy from a FERPA standpoint, but also make the data available in that context in order to help our students succeed both while they're at UNCG and after they have graduated. So, so that's, the, that's the kind of thing that we have to think about as we bring together data from multiple systems. Now, uh, another area where we have uh, a lot of research going on on campus is we, we have lots of partnerships within the community uh, for um, medical research. Uh, we have a, 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 a large and extremely well-respected nursing program. Uh, and uh, in our uh, in institutional review board, uh, IRB, uh, which every institution who's a research institution has, we, we monitor um, how research data are collected, how they're stored, um, and whether or not they involve human subjects and they have to comply with specific regulations and with specific university policies as those data are brought together. And so we have all of those responsibilities in how we bring them together and render the data in some way that would make them private, but at the same time, allow them to be used in informed decision-making or in informed research findings. And in this podcast, we don't want to get into all the technical details of what particular software or cybersecurity you use, but it's, it's really the, the architecture of data is a is a kind of combination of how you reassure individuals to put in proper data and then to assemble the data into a usable mass. That, that, that's the challenge your team faces? That, that is the challenge that our, our, that our team faces. We, we uh, have to think about the architecture of the infrastructure, right, and how you protect the, the data flow over the network. But you also have to uh, think about who has access to the data? At what level do they have access to the data? And how do you compartmentalize the data? And so we have to think of all those things. Um, and you, you base that on, on an individual's role, on the type of data that you're working with, and on how you're delivering it, and whether it's going to be to a larger community or a very small contained group. 
Let me ask you this. Have you found that members of the UNCG community are reluctant to share accurate personal information uh, from privacy concerns? Uh, and, and how do you re- how do you assure them that they they can do that in a way that where their privacy uh, concerns won't be uh, uh, mishandled? Well, I, I haven't found that there's a specific reluctance to share uh, privacy data, but I would say to all listeners that one one should always be reluctant or very cognizant of who you're sharing the data with and what you're sharing, uh, and we actually ask our uh, constituents to to be aware of the data that they're sharing, um, why they're sharing it, who they're sharing it with, including us. Uh, And I think that the way we best reassure them is that we make sure they understand that we view our legal obligations to protect the data very seriously, but moreover, we feel like it is our duty and our ethical obligation to provide as much protection for private personal data uh, as as we can, while we balance that with ensuring that they can successfully either do their jobs or whatever role that they have in the community, or how they or that or that we can ins- help them ensure their success as a student. Well, let me ask you one last uh, set of uh, questions here. Uh, one, one last question, really, uh, if, for the benefit of other universities, communities. It might be a city. Uh, with 100,000 people, uh, how can they, from your experience here, 25 years, how can communities design IT systems that encourage people to share accurate and private personal information that is then needed uh, for research, uh, student assessment, uh, other assessment, and uh, totally good purposes? What are, what are the lessons, uh, maybe take two or three, that you've learned uh, from your experience that can help others? Well, I think the, the first lesson is to, to listen to your constituents, what are their privacy concerns, because you're going to have to begin addressing your designs from that perspective. So that's a, that's a question of what are your requirements, right? Um, so you, you begin from that point, and then you uh, assure them that you have the intention to design a system that will protect the privacy from their point of view. Uh, so you have to always keep in mind your your end customer. Now, from there, you proceed to what are the technical designs, and uh, I don't think we would have uh, time here to really no, get into the no. technical aspects of it. But but I assume you use a variety of anonymization or pseudonymization, right? Absolutely, proper cybersecurity, uh, you know, a variety of. Ab- Absolutely. There's there's the there's the infrastructural design, but there's also the the anonymization of the of the data. Uh, And sometimes, of course, and this is where you get into the really tricky bits is some certain certain data, for instance, cannot be anonymized because of the purpose that it's used for. Uh, And that's where students progress. You can't anonymize that. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. You cannot. But if you're using that for a broad, if you're using data from that source for a broader institutional purpose, like uh, like planning your retention models, the folks who are doing that should not have access to the underlying, uh, the underlying identifying data, and so you have to plan systems that allow you to do both things: to, to have the data that that is not anonymized in in a very strict, highly secure um, kind of environment, but also uh, anonymized data uh, in a little bit more widely used. Um, 
kind of organizational um, need. And that's to be, the challenge of a, a data yeah. architect team. That is exactly the challenge of a data architect. And so all of that comes to how do you, how do you design the underlying infrastructure? Uh, and then how do you design the access layer model? Uh, and the access layer model is a really critical, is a really critical piece. Well, Lee, thank you for this fascinating uh, introduction to how communities can both respect, uh, not just because the law requires it, but to, to encourage people to protect their own data in a way that's still usable for essential purposes and then to create databases in which society can use to advance uh, the purposes of humankind. Any last thoughts for the listeners today? Uh, no, I just, uh, just, just one. Uh, as you think about your own privacy, um, just be aware that you don't want to share more than you really need to share with anyone. And, and always keep that in mind. Very good. And I'll end uh, today's podcast, uh, as I always do, with remember, protecting your personal privacy begins with you. Lee, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me.